You could please pray the words, Come, Holy Spirit, with me three times. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I ask that you send forth your Holy Spirit. Please bless Allison and Daniel. Please bless everyone here, and please give me the gift of tongues. And please give everybody here the gift of interpretation to know that they are loved by you, Father, through the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus. So come, Holy Spirit, and have your way. Make all these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Father Zach. I'm a friend of Allison and Daniel. I'm actually Allison's spiritual director. We met um, about a year and a half ago, and she gave me one of the best compliments I've ever received. So there's this really famous priest. His name is Father Mike Schmitz. And she told me that she liked me more than him. So then when she asked me to be her full-time spiritual director, I said, yes, I must do that. I must obey. Um, it's a very big compliment, so thank you for letting me be here with you all. And thank you all for coming to support Allison and Daniel. I just want to start off with a, a, a joke. I'm not a very funny priest, but this one always seems to uh, kind of calm the tension because sometimes we're just kind of nervous because sometimes we come into a church, maybe we've been away for a while, and we're like, if I go inside, is like the lightning bolt going to hit me? And it hasn't happened. You're here for a reason, and the Lord wants to bless us. But sometimes humor just has a beautiful way of calming the soul. And this story is a fable from Esau, and then it was translated by a religious sister, and then now you have my interpretation. So there was an older man, a younger boy, and they were traveling on a very, very hot day. And they were given the task of taking a donkey with them to be taken from one point to another. And as they were walking, the young boy just got a little bit tired, and he just asked the older man, hey, is it okay if you lead and I go on the donkey? And the older man said, sure. But in the distance, there were some people coming, and as they, they came forward, they just began to kind of chirp and go over um, some of their disappointments, like, that young boy should respect his elders. Like, what is he, what is he thinking? So after contemplating that, the, the young boy gets off, and then um, the old man gets on. And they begin walking, and then more people start walking towards them and just start saying some negative words, like, that old man should, should be leading by example. How can he lead this and let this little boy lead? Like, it's so disrespectful. And it's hot, and it's a long day. The road is dusty. And after a while, the old man gets off, and, they, and he, he says, well, what if we both get on the donkey? So they both get on the donkey, and if you've ever tried riding a donkey, um, it doesn't work too well with two people, and they didn't get very far. And they thought, well... What if we both pick the donkey up? So they both, they both pick, pick the donkey up and start walking with him. The little boy's not as strong. And eventually the, the donkey's kind of shimmering and shifting. And they, eventually they get to a bridge that's over a ravine. And below the ravine is a river. And they get close to the, to the bridge. And the, the donkey's not having it. And the, the donkey actually slips and falls on a little boy's hands because he can't carry the donkey. And then the older man, he's carrying the donkey. And he loses his grip. And the donkey falls down the ravine into the river and drowns and dies. And the moral of the story is, if you care too much about what other people think, you can kiss your ass goodbye. <laughs> Allison and Daniel asked me to preach to all of you more than to them. Because they love you. But more than they love you, they want you to know how much Jesus loves you. Some of us have been away for a while. Some of us 
we're here, but are we really here? I just want to go through how I see the world. We all wear different lenses, right? And how you see the world affects everything you do. And I, I can't say 100% sure that Allison and Daniel are going to know what I, I, I'm about to say, but they're probably on board with it because they asked me to preach. One question to always start with how you see the world is a question is, why is there something instead of nothing? It's a very good question for all of us to contemplate the reality. And what Holy Mother Church says, God, out of pure love and effortlessly, he created a universe that is 90 plus billion light years across. And he created planets and stars and if, if you took all the stars that, that God created and made them to a grain of sand like, and, and made it into, and put it into a sandcastle, that sandcastle would be 35 miles by 35 miles by 35 miles. But out of everything that God created, what he desired a relationship with was you and me. For all eternity, deep abiding communion, friendship, love, peace, harmony. That was God's plan. And that was it. Often when people come to my office, they go, well, what, what went wrong? It's the second question. What happened? Again, God, everything he created was good. He created angels. But one of the angels, who we call Lucifer, Lucifer or Satan, chose to rebel against that which God loved most, which is you and I, because we are made in God's image and likeness. And he, what he did is he tricked our first parents of Adam and Eve into believing a lie that somehow God was withholding something from them, that God didn't want them to be happy. And when they first sinned, what Adam and Eve did is they sold the human race into slavery against powers that you and I can't compete against. What are those powers? Scripture says they are the powers of sin and death. And if you don't think they're very strong, maybe just ask yourself right now, have you ever done anything you didn't want to do, you knew it was wrong and you did it anyways? It's like, psh, like every day, right? Or when I'm on campus with my students at the Newman Center, they'll come to me saying, Father, I don't think that drinking is a big deal, or I don't think that um, the hookup culture is a big deal, or I don't think scrolling my phone for eight hours is a big deal. I don't think this thing and that thing is a big deal, which I respond with, well, since you said it's a big deal, then you stop doing it. Well, it's just not easy, Father. I'm like, right, because sin is a power, right? And as we go through like, what that slavery looks like to know how bad the bad news is, which is so important for us to know how good the good news is, why don't you imagine like, what that slavery has done to us as a human race and what difference Jesus makes? Imagine yourself being human trafficked. You're in a room. You're bound up. You're, you can't sleep because that makes you vulnerable. And you get abused every day. And that's going to be your life. So the third question is, what if anything has God done about this? So there you are. You're in that room. Life is awful. There's no hope for you. But one day, this gentleman walks in the room and he puts his hand on your shoulder ever so gently, and that kind of scares you. 
but he's just exuding peace and love, and he just kneels down in front of you, and he begins to unbind you. And no one ever looks, has looked at you the way he looks at you. And just his eyes just make you want to trust him. And as he unties you and unbinds you, he wants to walk you out of this hell, out of this trafficking ring. And when you start walking through the threshold, the door that kind of scares you, because that means the fiend, the human trafficker who's been out there, you know what he's like. But when you cross the threshold, now you see that he's all bound up. And this man who saved you looks at you and says, you don't have to worry about him anymore. I took care of him. So this is what Jesus is doing on the cross. The early church fathers often talked about this, that what Jesus was doing was he was hiding behind human flesh. The second person in the Trinity, God of the universe, was actually baiting Satan on the cross because you can't put God on the cross unless he wants to be there. And he's baiting Satan because what he wants to do is go behind enemy lines to save every single soul that is open to him. And that's what Jesus does when we accept him as Lord and Savior. He unites us back to who he truly is. And if, if Jesus has done this, if he's gone to war with sin and death, powers that you and I can't compete against, he's conquered those powers, sin and death, hell and Satan on the cross, to win you back. Like he went to war for you because guess what? You matter to him. You are worth the trouble. Like if he's done that for us, like what should our response be? Which is the fourth question. What should our response be? Like wouldn't it be to trust him? Wouldn't it be to have faith in him? That's what Allison and Daniel have done. They put their faith in this God, and somehow they've had the grace to accept this message, but they don't want it to stay for themselves. And that, that, that message is actually hidden in our gospel today, if we look closely. Our gospel begins by saying, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Which means they, they were one. And for all eternity, as I said earlier, God's desire has been to be one with his creation. That's why marriage is held so high in the Catholic Church, because it, it symbolizes God's desire for us. The man and the wife become one. So it's no longer me, but it's we, right? It's no longer I, it's us. It's no longer what do I want, it's what, what do we want. And when they come together, it's meant to show us a glimpse into heaven, God's original plan. That's why Jesus says, two, the two who have become one flesh, no man must separate. Because God has never wanted to be separate from you and me, ever. <laughs> it was never a part of his plan. And how do we get in that relationship with the Lord? How do we get transferred into the kingdom of God instead of the human trafficker, the kingdom of death, is we get baptized. A good image of baptism is maybe you can just imagine this, another quick story for you, is just imagine for a moment that you're in a house, mom and dad are verbally and physically abusive, and sometimes plates at dinner literally fly across the room. 
And every once in a while, in that house that you grew up in, you, you go to your room and you, you peek across the street and there's a family over there and they're, they're joyful, they're having fun, they're having picnics, but it drives you nuts. You put your window down, you put your shades down, and you say, I don't even want to see that. And as you grow up in this environment, as you get into high school, you do everything you can to not be home in that hellhole. You get involved in extracurriculars, you get involved in music, in drama, anything you can to get to school as early as possible and get home as late as possible. But one day, you're in your room, mom and dad are gone for some reason, and you hear this at the door. You go downstairs, and it's the dad from across the street when you open the door, and he says, hey, do you want to live with us? You don't even pack. So when you're adopted into the family of God through baptism, like your passport, instead of saying child of death, says child of God, child of light. And do you have free will still? Absolutely. You can go back to that, that hell hole. You can go back to that human trafficking house, but you don't have to. It was so beautiful, if you were with us last night, so many people are coming to confession to, to reclaim their adopted identity as a beloved son or a beloved daughter as they prayed in adoration and praise and worship music for Allie and for Danny. And Allie and Danny just want you all to know that you are loved. Like, no, no matter where you're at, you're not too far gone from Jesus. And this wedding is supposed to be a sign of hope for us, a sign of hope. Because our world in the past five, six years, which actually has nothing to do with the pandemic, has actually been, the average age of death has actually been lowering. People are literally losing the will to live. And that breaks the heart of a priest, that breaks the heart of someone who knows Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way out. He is the truth that sets captives free, and he is the life worth living. And Allie and, and Danny just told me, we just want people to know this, that everyone is called. And as they sit here, they just want you again to know that you are so loved, and you are not too far gone. You're probably wondering, why aren't you talking about marriage? I think it's clear, because there's four priests and one deacon here, they're going to be okay. Right? Well, they, they have a heart of compassion for so many of you to know this truth that God's original plan was always to be one with us. And that plan is mirrored in the holy sacrament of marriage. And if you feel like you're too far gone, you're not. It's not God saying that. And as proof for you, that you're not too far gone. No one's been struck by lightning yet. The guillotine hasn't come down. And you are here for a reason. And in just a moment, Allie and Danny are going to witness in front of you because of what God has done for them, and they believe he brought them together. They're going to exchange vows. And what your job then is to pray for them every day to remain faithful to the promises they make, the promises, the vows they'll make today, because they also know that they can't do it alone. I think that's a lot of us at times. I'm too afraid to ask for help. I've got to do it on my own. 
And if, if, if that's you today, I just want to ask you, like, how's that going for you? So beautiful again last night as we had a rehearsal dinner to hear so many of Allie and Danny's friends just say how motivated they are by Allie and Danny, to say what a witness they are to the love of Jesus. Because if there's anything we need, it's witnesses. People living the joy of the gospel, to know the freedom that Christ has purchased for us on the cross, but also people to respond and not say things like, my, my relationship with Jesus is private, I don't tell anybody about it. Like this news, how good it is, it's explosive news. Like if you were at, you know, at Normandy, for example, and you're waiting for the Allies to come, and you open the paper and you say, oh, the Allies have landed. And you, like, you like, no, the Allies have landed. Jesus, his news, his gospel is more explosive than that, says St. Paul. And the news does the work for us. And to be a witness to that news is an honor and a blessing. So whatever the Holy Spirit has been putting on your heart, don't let it stay here. I began by praying three words that I pray so often after being six years a priest, almost in my seventh year being a priest, but it's just that simple. Just always praying those words, come, Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? It does many things, but the Holy Spirit makes Jesus real to us. And what does Jesus do for us among the many things he does for us? is he reveals the Father to us. What does the Father do? He reveals our identity to us as his beloved son or his beloved daughter. And why this is so hard for us as Americans is because so many of us believe that we have to earn God's love. If I just do good, then I get the identity. No, 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 my friends. Look at that beautiful stained glass window up there. That's Jesus purchasing your identity because he wanted you to share his identity as a son, to know what it's like to be adopted, to be in the, in the bosom of the Father. And that's what's mirrored in this wedding, in the sacrament of marriage. The husband is supposed to be like Jesus and remain on the cross to bring his bride to heaven. But again, who is at the foot of the cross? The Blessed Virgin Mary, who gave flesh to Jesus. She remained faithful in all things. So my one piece of advice for Allie and Danny is just stay close to Mary. She could have been so full of herself Look at me, I'm the mother of God. But no, she, the last words out of, her, out of her mouth were, do whatever he tells you to do. Like, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. And I believe you're doing that right now. So I just want to affirm you both. Thank you so much for allowing us to be here. But the same goes for all of us. To do whatever Jesus tells us to do. And what did Jesus tell us to do today? He says, whatever God has joined together. Never separate it, which is an echo to the original plan for all eternity. There has been no saint who didn't have a devotion to Mary. All those great followers of Jesus always also had a great devotion, love for Mary, because without Mary saying yes, we would have no Jesus. We would have no hope.
So we're called to pray for them, to not worry about what other people think, right? Simply to pray for them and to ask the Blessed Virgin Mary to be with them today and forever. So please join me as I close my homily by praying one Hail Mary, asking for her prayers, asking for her, her grace upon ourselves, but especially upon Allie and Danny as they publicly witness their vows in just a moment. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.